Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast, in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, get to chat some of the leading lights and interesting figures in this crazy business we're in of self-publishing and writing. And today we have two very special guests who we're extremely excited to speak to. Virginia Cruz, who is a licensed professional counsellor, and Katie Salidas, who is a USA Today best-selling author. And together, their powers combined, they have written a really, really fascinating book, which we're going to delve into today, which is called Acknowledge and Heal, A Woman-Focused Guide to PTSD. And, well, Craig will uh, Craig will further a little more about why we're interested in talking to this, but we are very, very happy to have you both on the show. Virginia, how are you doing today? Oh, my gosh. Any better I'd be twins. Thanks for having me on, <laughs> Roland. Oh, well, we are delighted to have you. And Katie, how are you doing today? I am wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for having us. Oh, well, it is going to be a treat to speak to you both. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the author and found, author himself and a founder of Hidden Gems Books. Craig, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, uh, Roland. And thanks for, for joining us, Virginia and Katie. Um, yeah, we, I mean, aside from writing that book that Roland mentioned, um, I think the overall uh pitch that we wanted to make the the sort of the, the purpose of this episode is the idea of being able to talk about um you know complex triggering sort of deep emotional um topics in a way that is not uh well it, that is sensitive that is that is not as maybe as triggering as it as it could be um Obviously, in your book, it's like specifically about this issue, but there are authors out there in all genres that cover a lot of these kind of issues. Um, maybe it's not what their focus of their book is, right? But it's it's a topic that they need to cover uh, because of you know the characters that are in their book and whatever. And so you want to be able to write about these things in a way that um, you know doesn't minimize them, but also doesn't sort of you know. I don't know, sensationalize them doesn't, you know, make them seem, you, you just want to be cognizant of, of your audience and careful about how you talk about all this stuff. And you guys are sort of like the expert in doing that. So um, hopefully that will be something that we can sort of translate a little bit in our talk today about how to how to sort of do that, right? So why don't you tell us a bit about um, your, your book and then how you guys got together and, and all that stuff. Sure, I'll be happy to start off. Sure. So uh, I'm Virginia Cruz, and I, I all so Katie helped me with my first book, which is The Soldier's Guide to PTSD, and that serves a very small audience. So I'm a mental health professional, but I'm a veteran also, and uh, I wanted to write a book that talked about PTSD. That was basically the book that I wish that I had had when I was going through the worst of my own PTSD. And, um, and I, so I knocked on Katie's door and asked her to help me with that. And, uh, and she was behind the scenes doing a lot of editing and suggesting and just an incredible sidekick to have just the absolute best. And the challenge that we had is, you know, how do we talk about this incredibly important topic for which, you know, there's a lot of lip service saying that we need to have a national conversation on fill in the blank, PTSD, suicide, um, Me Too, uh, talking with family, uh, sexual assault, all of these big important topics. 
but we're not really talking about them. And so my challenge was, you know, how do I take something very triggering, very complex, um, really hard to talk about and make it, translate it from clinician into English, you know, take it from this really kind of highfalutin PhD level, you know, talking about the diagnostic statistical manual and then take it and put it and give that to soldiers. And so what we did is, and I think we, we met that task. We created a, uh, it's really my, my love letter to my soldier community to say, listen, if I can get through this, you can too. And so Katie came up with the idea of expanding this out. We got so much wonderful feedback from readers on the Soldier's Guide to PTSD. But kind of the more heartbreaking feedback was like, wow, I love this book, Virginia. I love what you're saying. But I really wish I had something for my mom. And the Soldier's Guide, you know, is, you know, I, I'm a soldier and I talk like one. So maybe not mom appropriate. You know, I wish, you know, I wish that I could share this with my sister, my neighbor, my friend, because the information is really helpful, but we need this in a, in a way that's a little more palatable. And so I talked with Katie about creating um, Acknowledge and Heal, a woman's focus guide to PTSD. We wanted to give the information in a way, and Craig, just what you said, how do we talk about something very sensitive? in a way that's not pedantic, in a way that's not insulting. Um, you know, when we think about women in mental health and, you know, women kind of in healthcare writ large, you know, there there's a lot of gaslighting when it comes to medical information out there. Um, you know, we're even the word mansplaining is in the dictionary now, you know, so we, how, how can we talk about this topic in a way that's sensitive, it's not pedantic, um, but it gives the readers the information that they need, and it's actionable. I can take it. I can do something with it so that it's empowering. And uh, linking up with Katie was exactly the right move for that because she she is already a USA Today bestselling author. And she already does create these incredibly complex, and I'm a fan. I am a fan of her work. I love her writing. And so it seemed like a really very natural fit. And so uh, I asked her to help, but she did a lot of research. And Katie, I'll, I'll let you take it from there because the research angle is really what has affected our readers the most. Yeah, the, the section specifically on, you know, the different types of trauma that women go through was really important to me. And and Craig, just to tie it back to what you're talking about with characters, as a as an author writing fiction, we want to create characters people relate to. So what is the secret sauce in creating characters that people relate to? We have to make them real. We have to create empathy within the reader for the character. So we give our characters that we create those like me qualities, things that real people do, reactions that real people would have. The same applies to writing, you know, Acknowledge and Heal. We are including things that real people go through. We're talking about them at face value so that we're not, you know, over explaining. We're not trying to go over their heads. We're not trying to make it, you know, like Virginia said, PhD level. We are at your level. We are real. We have gone through it. Virginia's gone through it. I've gone through it. Having that personal connection to these traumas helps us to translate that to the page 
And, and the feedback that we've been getting from this book has been amazing. There are so many people coming back and saying, oh, my God, I have been through this. I have felt this. I didn't realize this is what caused, you know, all of the problems that I've been dealing with and the stress and the inability to trust and the inability to connect to somebody else. I finally have something to connect it to. I understand. And that's where the acknowledge part of acknowledge and heal comes from. We have to acknowledge what happened. We have to understand that what we went through was trauma in order to start the healing process. Oh, and one of the one of the things I love most about this book is this was Katie's idea because I would have never come up with this. Uh, we have all of these vignettes uh, throughout Acknowledge and Heal that, re- you know, these first person accounts and they're anonymized, of course. Um, but these first person accounts of these incredible survivors, uh, survivors of these traumas, so that it's not just being able to see yourself in that character, but these are real people who have survived this. And when I when I read it for the first time, because Katie re- Katie's got this amazing community of of other authors, and so she she reached out and invited them to write for Acknowledge and Heal. And oh my gosh, when when I read it for the first time, it, I was just humbled, moved, and, and just deeply, just so deeply moved by these incredible words by, you know, and some are professional authors, some are not. Um, just be, the way that she was able to bring that first person perspective to something that is so, let's face it, it's clinical, it's not intuitive, it's really triggering. I mean, this is, this is hard to talk about. And, uh, and Katie was able to, to reach out to other authors to bring their experience to the table and make something just very accessible for the reader. And it's, it's, changing lives. That's part of creating the empathy that we wanted to. You know, it's it's one thing to explain, you know, XYZ, this is what you're going through. It's another to say, here is what people go through. And here is a story of somebody who actually went through it. So you can understand how it impacted them and they survived. They, you know, they have moved past this. You can too. So in the um, Acknowledge and Heal, it's, it's more about the stories of the people that are... Um, sort of uh, family members or, or the people that are dealing with the people with PTSD. Is that right? Or is it women that are going through PTSD? For the women's guide, it's specifically women oriented. And so we take a, a very large chunk of the book is geared towards the different types of traumas that are most common for women to go through. And we use those stories as the touchstone. These are stories from people who have gone through this specific topic we're touching on right now this specific trauma, this specific experience, so that you can tie the knowledge we're providing with the real world, you know, how it feels. Okay. So it's, it's sort of, it's not, I'm just sort of, I think I misunderstood how they, they work together. The first book was more for soldiers specifically. So then it's, so it's, it's, you know, I guess, uh, combat related or, or, uh, army related or whatever, uh, related PTSD. And then the, the the second book, uh, Acknowledge and Heal, uh, is is uh, women issue PTSD, not to do necessarily with anything to do with soldiers or combat. I was I think I I was sort of thinking that they were linked in the sense that uh, maybe it was how 
women uh, helped their partners or, or, or their children or something get through the PTSD that they had experienced. But it's actually, it's the, it's the PTSD that the women experience. It's a separate sort of topic related. PTSD, right. They're both. But, yeah, right. They're both user's guides. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, the soldier's guide to PTSD is, you know, as advertised, a soldier's guide. Right. So it's for them, you know, to, to read it, see themselves uh, in the word. So we, we do cover a lot clinically. Uh, so we do cover, you know, rumors about PTSD that keep people from getting the help that they deserve. We talk about what PTSD is. So we go through the diagnostic criteria very thoroughly and, uh, and again, translate that from, uh, you know, from clinician into English so that anyone could use it so that you could go to your doctor's exam. So you could go and, and seek help and, and have the facts. We talk about um, evidence-based treatments for PTSD that are widely available so that um, whether it's the, the soldier's guide or the women's guide so that uh, folks can go in and ask for them by name. And we talk about, you know, what do we do after? How do I get buy-in with my friends and family? How do I talk to my workplace about needing to get help? Um, let's say that we have to go to, to an inpatient hospital or we need time off to do counseling. How do I talk to my HR department? How do I talk to my parents or my, my spouse? How do I talk to my kids so that I can get that buy-in? And then we also talk about you know, how, do I, how do I create a support system so that I can maintain all of this progress. You know, so we talk very plainly uh, about relapse because relapse, we often think about drugs or alcohol, but relapse can happen in any form of PT, in any form of uh, mental health disorder, or even a physical disorder. So we can have a relapse with PTSD or anxiety or depression. And, you know, we remind our readers that that is not the end of the world and you're not, you haven't fallen as far as you might think. So both of them are manuals that the readers can take, see themselves in it, and then take action. Yeah, the, the tone of each book is very much geared towards the audience that we want that book to be able to capture so that we can speak to people on that level. Again, creating that empathy. You know, we understand this is non-judgmental. Here's what you need to know here are the steps that you can take. Here are some of the options available to you so that you can find the help you need. So with Acknowledge and Heal, that's kind of where the title came from. First, we acknowledge what happened, and now we find out how we can heal. That's one of the powerful things that I've, I've noticed within the writing communities. I speak to a lot of writers, and it's something I write myself, is trying to um, make sense of things like PTSD and also trying to, to bring... Uh, a voice to it. So I write a lot about veterans and PTSD is obviously a huge part of that. I've got a lot of friends. One writes romance books and she was in an abusive relationship. And so her characters she writes about are about uh, how they deal with PTSD in the next relationship or something. Where do you think the value of the book that you've written comes into uh, how the authors watching or listening to this podcast might be able to, to help uh, take what you've written and use it to to be able to communicate their own experiences and make what they have experienced real on the page? Oh, that's a great question because it, it is a guide 
towards understanding what happens and also the mindset that goes into it, specifically like the domestic abuse, domestic abuse. You know, a lot of times we go, why didn't they leave? Well, there's reasons why they didn't leave. You know, they're, they're bonded to that person through the trauma. There are ebbs and flows in the relationship that keep them tied, keep them coming back. Oh, they've changed. They're not the, they're not the monster they were yesterday, you know, or narcissistic abuse. You never know what you're getting with them because love is transactional. And to understand how somebody learns to, to fall into that transi- uh, transactional love, if I do for them, they will finally treat me the way I want. You know, it's really understanding all the different elements that slowly build up and this long-term trauma that, that colors a person's world and changes how they'll view other people. Because somebody who's been through trauma isn't going to view the world the same way somebody who hasn't can view the world. And that's where we've got to create that empathy. We've got to get them to understand. You can't have empathy unless you've actually walked in that other person's shoes. We have sympathy. We don't have empathy. So this kind of opens the doors and allows you to see what you might not understand. It sounds amazingly valuable because I think one of one of the things talking to people, it's like they they have these experiences and they want to write about them. But the interesting thing is a book like the one you've put together it, it it's so specific about the the process and the reality and and like narcissistic abuse you you mentioned it's the the gaslighting and the love bombing and the cycles and how it goes through and it's almost getting an opportunity to read a book like that and then you put it uh, you know authors have their own experiences and it's like oh my god this is a real thing and the you know these things that that people do um it's it makes it makes so much more sense to them so it's validating to the authors themselves and then hopefully they can use what you teach them to make their writing seem more authentic when they're describing it yeah i mean like i said before the secret sauce to creating characters readers care about is empathy if you can get a reader to link themselves to that character that like me quality oh i'm that way too i want that character to do xyz they're going to stick with that character and they're going to stick with your book or book series to the end because they care. Right. And so if you have not experienced a certain type of trauma, but you still want to write about it. So then I guess the best way to do that is to do a lot of research from sort of firsthand experiences that other people have had so that you can understand where they're coming from, what they dealt with, how they were treated, all that stuff so that you can sort of put it into your own, uh, into your own story. Is that, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, you know, you guys are authors, you know how it is. We go down the rabbit hole in our research. We want to be authentic. We want to represent everything that we're putting into our stories. Even if it's fictional, it has to be believable. So we have to have those elements of reality in there. And I mean, I know I'll go down the rabbit hole researching two, three, four hours for something tiny, something like almost insignificant, <laughs> because I want to make sure when I write it into a book, it's going to represent as well as possible. People are going to be able to connect with it. So a book like this absolutely would provide a template for a lot of these different traumas that maybe romance writers would write into relationships or, you know, you said you, you write about veterans, how veterans would actually be dealing with the after effects of the trauma that they've gone through and trying to connect with the people around them. And we write the stories and, and the book in a way that's not over explaining. Um, one of my, my pet peeves about a lot of self-help books and a lot of these, these, um, nonfiction books that are meant to guide you through whatever 
they spend so much time inflating their own ego, talking about the subject matter and how they're an expert and very little on the actual information that you want. And we cut through the bullshit. We go straight to the facts. This is the important thing. We are not important as the authors. The material is important. And we're going to make sure you get as much of the material as possible. Oh, I, so- I couldn't. I, I couldn't support what Katie's saying enough. She, her research is phenomenal. It, it's just phenomenal. I can't even tell as a, I mean, I'm a, I've been a counselor for a minute and I couldn't believe how much I learned from the research that she, that she brought into this. And I mean, those hours, she definitely went three, four hours on some small things. And um, she, she covers you know, and I, I, here I was looking at just the the table of contents, the things that she that she covered in her research: bullying, toxic shame, narcissistic parenting, uh, childhood abuse, emotional abuse, moral injury, institutional betrayal, medical trauma. I mean, these are things that, as a clinician, I don't very often see covered, uh, let alone in a help in a self help book that is intended for for somebody who so that they can recognize themselves and get the help they need. I'm sorry, Roland. I think I overspoke you on accent. That wasn't my intent. Oh no, what you said was far better than than anything I was going to come out with. Other. Um I to, I had a, a question. It's like Virginia, obviously you're you becoming an LPC, uh you mentioned you're a veteran army, right? Right. Yes, and obviously you had to deal with with PTSD yourself and and go through that and then become a veteran. Katie, if you don't mind me asking, like, uh, what was it that that made you gravitate towards this as a as a cause? Um, one, it was it was Virginia's passion, but two, as a woman who has gone through trauma in her life, I was able to through working with her in the first book understand some of the things that I had gone through. You know, even though I'm not military. I could relate to some of those things. And, and it was kind of eye-opening to me that, that my worldview has been colored by the traumas that I went through. And so when we talked about doing a women's guide, I couldn't jump on it fast enough. And and that's how I ended up going down the rabbit hole and going, but this and this and this and this, and we need to talk about this because there are so many things we go through that aren't talked about, that are just expected. We, we talk about some very, very heavy topics um, spousal abuse, um, doing your wifely duty. Uh, we talk about compassion fatigue. There's a lot of things that are very, very women specific that are just expected of us that can definitely weigh heavily on our souls and become traumas that we just have to suck it up and deal with as a woman in society. And I really, really wanted to touch on it. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I mean, uh... You know, I think part of it, and we've sort of talked about this before in other contexts, is, um, you know, there's different levels of research, different levels of authors' ability to research. But it's also sometimes the idea of, like, knowing what you need to research and knowing that you don't know enough about a topic to really talk about it. Um, and it, it uh, I think it, it's in a lot of cases, uh, you know, we I, we did an episode recently that was about research and it had nothing to do with with any of this stuff, but it was you know just uh, somebody talking about researching their thriller novel and you know there were some examples they come up with uh, that were just these crazy things that it was like oh you know this person said this and then we realized later that that 
has no relevance in this country or whatever. And it's like, I would never have even like thought to research that. Right. And so it seems like, I think that this is one of those things that with a lot of these traumas, a lot of these PTSDs from people not writing about it, they are sorry, not having lived it um, might write about it and unintentionally really not understand the issue. Right. They might think they do because they just think that it's, you know, this, you know, it's whatever the issue is, they, they understand it because they know about it. Like they've heard about it. They watch the show on, you know, Netflix, you know, or whatever. They've seen it portrayed in the media, you know, they don't really, really know about it. And they don't really know that they don't know about it. Right. So I don't know, is there some way to sort of for, for authors to really check themselves against things like that and to know what it is they don't know. I know it's a tough, that's a tough thing sometimes, right. Is to know what you don't know. Um, but I guess, you know, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Yeah. Like I, I said before, as, as a author, it's my job to make sure that I represent everything as accurately as possible. Even fiction has to be believable. So it has to be grounded in some sense of reality. So, you know, if I'm writing magical worlds, I have to create a a magic system that's believable and I have to stick to it, right? But if I'm writing an urban fantasy, I have to work within the limits of the world that we're in. And that means I need to make sure that, you know, the places that I'm, I'm representing, the people, the cultures, those all have to be grounded in reality. So there's research that needs to go into it. And if I'm at all questioning whether I'm accurately representing something, I go and do the research. And and as authors, I think a lot of us are research junkies. We're we're interested in finding out the facts and and being able to you know put those little gems, those little Easter eggs into our story, because that's part of the fun. And the same applies to to nonfiction writing too. As as I've gone through with this book, yes, I've been through some traumas. I've been through every single trauma in the book. But as I was going down the rabbit hole of looking at different traumas that were associated with women, it, it became very apparent that a lot of them were women specific. They were just expected duties of being a woman in the world. And that took me down just a really interesting rabbit hole that I almost had to stop myself at one point and go, okay, I've put too much in here. If I put any more, this book is just going to be ginormous and we're going to need a volume two, three, four. So I, I had to cut at some point and say, okay, this, these are the important things we're going to touch on. And maybe later at some point we can expand on it. But we covered the ones that I feel were the most triggering, the most important, the most common for women for this specific book. Oh, I thank you, Katie, for speaking to that. You know, as a clinician and also as somebody who's just kind of going on my way in the world, you know, trauma is ubiquitous, unfortunately. You know, the... the textbooks describe it as actual or threatened exposure to death, serious injury, or sexual violence. That's a large umbrella. That is a really large umbrella. You know, if there was anything that we learned, like during the Me Too movement, for example, it's that literally every single person that I personally know, every single one of them, either knows somebody who has who has experienced some sort of assault or harassment or personally knows someone who does that's huge when we you know we can say you know not not just in the veteran community but just out and about oh 22 a day and everybody knows that that's talking about veteran suicide i mean what the fuck i mean really 
we, we just say, oh, 22 a day and everyone knows that's not okay. And, you know, trauma is just, it's everywhere. You know, we're talking in the U.S. about school shootings and church shootings and park shootings and Walmart shootings. And it's like, oh, they don't even make the newspaper anymore. Um, it's so important for us as people, I think. And I mean, I'm not a fiction writer because <laughs> I'm just not built that way. But I, you know, it's so important to be trauma informed. Um, you know, as, as somebody who reads and loves to read fiction, um, or, or even watching movies, you know, maybe you've, you've hung out with, with folks who are like military folks and they'll be watching a, a scene in a movie and they're like, that's not accurate. And that's not accurate. They wouldn't do it this way. They wouldn't do it that way. You know, that's maybe the way someone's doing a push up or setting up their medals. But if we're talking about somebody's trauma, the most horrifying thing that's ever happened to them in their lives and and not treating that with a really with compassion and in a way that's trauma informed i think i think we really have a chance to miss it and really damage people and i don't think it's intentional i want to be really clear about that i don't think anybody's going around saying you know i want to wound, further wound trauma survivors no one's doing that but when we choose not to be trauma informed as we go out into the world especially for me as as a mental health provider you know i could really unintentionally wound people and um that's not what i want to do that's not who i want to be in the world and, you know, writers, there's so much power in the written word. For me personally, I remember when, when I didn't know what was wrong with me, even though it was very classically, I mean, textbook PTSD. There's something so powerful about seeing what I was experiencing in black and white on the page. I felt seen. I felt valued and honored and there's something for for me it was life-changing and i'm so thankful for that and what a gift that someone can give their reader to say you know i i see you i honor you i respect you i value you you will make it through this i'm 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 just so deeply thankful to katie for her work and to really bring this, bring this to a wider audience. I mean, what Katie, what you do is very powerful. I mean, exactly, Virginia, as you just said, it's like there are books you read in which characters go through things that you might have experienced. And you're like, oh, wow. So this wasn't just me. I wasn't just making this up. And then, I mean, especially like the cycles of behavior and things. It's like, oh, my God, that's somebody... It, and it, you're right, it just validates everything. And it just, and it, it makes such a difference. And I find what's so fascinating is people generally like look down at romance books and romance books get a bad reputation. But to me, some of the rawest and most authentic um, descriptions of these things happen in romance books. And it's, you know, that's why there are certain authors who uh, get devoured because they just tap into this vein of authenticity that, that you don't find in other books to a certain extent it's like it's only romance but that means just like a court jester can say truth to the king in a only romance you can say something very very raw and authentic and it reaches people so my that my long-winded question to you katie is how much has your writing changed before 
doing this book and afterwards i mean i know running from the devil your series there must have have had a lot of like trauma woven into it i mean literally with your heroine escaping hell so like how is your your writing being shaped before and then afterwards it's given me new layers to work with you know like i said i i approached acknowledge and heal as somebody who has been through trauma but i haven't been through all the traumas well now i have a lot more in my arsenal to to be able to show now that i've done a lot of this research on the different you know just specifically women only at this point the women specific traumas that that we've gone through and i write a lot of of female characters so now i can have more to draw on because of the research that i did whereas before i might have been just leaning on some of the personal experiences and and the ways that i made it through things to give my character strength and do you have any sort of tips on on ways that authors can handle these things and write about them in in fiction novels uh, to still you know you know still still be able to write a fiction novel and have characters that have these things, but without um, you know trying to without them seeing like they're just adding them in to sensationalize or whatever, and and still be able to handle them sensitively, but at the same time you know it's it's not a book about that trauma; it's a character that has that trauma, right? Right, and and going back to what I said before, the secret sauce to creating a good character is is creating that empathy. So you have to be able, as the author, to step into that character's shoes. You have to understand that character. You have to bring those traits out and understand why the character is doing what they're doing, why they're reacting the way they're reacting. You have to have that empathy first if you're going to create it on the page for your readers. I guess how much you know detail do you want to go into when you're writing these characters to, to sort of make sure that you're not exposing you know too many nerves that you don't need to but still be able to create that empathy i guess it's going to be situational depending on the books that you're writing and and again perspective if you're writing that's a first person perspective book you're going to be a little bit more in that character's head if you're writing in third person you're going to be more on the outside looking down so depending on how you're writing that character will depend on how much depth you can go but if you're creating the empathy you need to know what they went through how they reacted to it, how their worldview changed because of it, and the coping mechanisms that they use in order to be able to continue going through the world that they're in. Right. Oh, you're on uh, mute there, Roland. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, I've forgotten what I was going to say now, so I shall... (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, well, so that's, I mean, that's a lot of stuff that there are in these books. Uh, I mean, you, so you guys have talked about a lot of specific, um, topics in that book. So, so that's one source of research that authors can use, um, for that type of trauma. Uh, are there other sources? I mean, obviously if you can talk to people that have gone through it, that's one source, although that might be difficult and, you know, just even finding those people and then whether they'll want to talk to you. And, you know, that's a touchy subject too, but are there other sort of references that you refer to other than the firsthand reports that, um, you know, authors can turn to for more information about a lot of this kind of thing so that they can really get a good understanding of, of these different issues. Yeah, actually, in fact, the end of the book provides a whole host of resources. Uh, A lot of our sources that we use to help, you know, nailed down the information we talk about 
and they go into it in even further depth. You know, we want to get into the clinical side of it. You can definitely uh, find out the specifics in that clinician type speak. But uh, the very back of the book, every single resource that we used to create this book is there and then some. Great. So um, my next question is, there are certain things. One one guest we just had on the, the podcast was uh, J.B. Manners, who wrote this very uh, cool mixture between like sci-fi and adventure novels. But he had one particular character in it. Uh, she... It was funny. She was meant to be the love interest. And then he didn't have her as the love interest because he wanted to talk more about the fact that she's coming out of a relationship with a narcissist. And he didn't experience that personally, but he had spoken to somebody who had been in that kind of relationship. And when I read it, it was one of the most vividly realistic parts of the book. And it created, as you said, Katie, a lot of empathy. How would you go around, do you think, um, uh, managing to, to drum up empathy in a reader? So it, the it goes, save the cat I know is one one thing the the whole idea behind save the cat is if somebody saves a cat you have empathy for them but what, what would what would your advice be so it, I actually have a nonfiction book called write and edit the damn book where I, I talk about all of my writing advice and things that I have learned through uh, the school of hard knocks you know going through the writing process and publishing all that so one thing I talk about in that book is we need to create our characters um, kind of cheat sheet, our Bible, uh, our reference. We need to know the basics of our character. We need to know not only their name, who they are, where they came from, what is their history? Because history informs how we go forward in life. And that talks back to the trauma. If we've experienced a trauma, it's going to change our worldview going forward. We no longer see the world in the same way. So how, do we, how does it change? So if you're going into your character's bio or your Bible, whatever you want to call it, you go in there and you go, okay, this was the history of the character. So how did that change them? You explore that yourself because creating empathy for the reader, you have to feel it yourself. You have to step into that character's shoes, understand the things that they went through, understand the innocence they had in the beginning and the change that happened and the way that they now approach people and narcissistic abuse. Oh, that is such a fun one to play with because that completely skews the way you see the world. Because you start with the love bombing, right? Your your love interest is giving you all the love and everything and you are their world and they are your world and it's so wonderful and fabulous until it's not. And then, you know, you start to pull back a little and then you've got that that uh, trauma bonding of they're, they're giving you just enough and then pulling away and giving you just enough and you constantly feel this need, this desire to get back to that love bombing that I am their world and they are my world. And over time, it just erodes into this toxic, toxic relationship where you no longer know who you are. Their world is now the only world that matters. And so it really twists and changes that character. So going forward, they're not going to see anybody else in the same way. Everything's a transaction to them. Everything is action versus reaction. If I do this, I might get this result. I'm going to do this now to get a positive result because I can't handle the negative. The negative is too bad and it really twists that character. So to create the empathy for, you know, characters you're creating in a story, you've got to step into their shoes first. You've got to understand it and feel it so that you can describe it through the character. That's right. I was thinking that villains are, you know, one of the toughest things to write and like, 
giving a villain a backstory like that, it doesn't necessarily justify the bad things they do. Yet at the same time, it gives you the ability to empathize with them and understand possibly where they're coming from. Oh, it very much can, though. I mean, how much, you know, people who have been just beaten down throughout their life, they just want to watch the world burn. They're done with the world. And that's relatable. You know, you've got somebody who's been abused as a child, somebody who's just had crappy relationships because their trust issues stemming from childhood has just turned them into a negative person. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the world to them is just horrible. They want to watch it burn. And that's giving them joy. That's making their existence worthwhile. And you can get a really evil villain from those roots. But one that seems really real. Yeah. Right. Because they're yeah, grounded I mean, in that reality. It, it's the difference between you're not actually justifying it, but you're explaining it, I think. Right. You're not saying, you know, that they that wanting to watch the world burn is, is the right solution, but it's it's understandable given what they came from. In, in their um, world, yeah. you know, the villain is supposed to be the hero in their own world. In their yeah. world, that is their goal. That is what they want to achieve. And once they get there, they're they're victorious. So for them, yes, it absolutely is the right thing. For the rest of us, we're going, no, 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 don't do that. But we understand the other side of it. And I guess with empathy, empathy means you can understand where someone's coming from without condoning it. Yes, you understand it. You don't have to condone it, but you definitely understand where they're coming from. Now, we're running out of time a bit. I had a question for Virginia. Yes, dear. Uh, so we were talking about how, you know, how Katie's writing before and after her change because of this book. With you, what, how has your life and your perspective and things changed from teaming up with, with Katie to do this? And I mean, have you ever thought of delving into writing? Has it changed the way you practice? It definitely has changed the way I practice psychotherapy. It, it, was, it has really impacted the way, you, you know, I, ha- I had a wonderful, a wonderful mentor for years who who always told me, you know, you'll never look into the eyes of someone God doesn't love. And, you know, whenever I struggle with compassion or compassion fatigue, you know, that that's one of my go-tos. But I'll tell you, sometimes those platitudes just aren't enough for me. And, you know, and I'm just being real. It's, uh, you know, compassion fatigue is a, is a thing. You know, it's a big part of, I love everything. Katie writes and everything she's saying here, you know, a big part of what we do in therapy is we are trying to get our main character, the client, to understand the why behind their what. And, you know, and I and I practice something called psychodynamic psychotherapy. So I'm very interested in how how does our childhood affect us? How how does our what we call attachment style, you know, how we're attached to a caregiver. Um, how does that affect our relationships going forward? And a big part of what I'm trying to do is to help my main character, my client, have empathy and compassion for themselves and to see themselves from a much more objective third person perspective. Because, you know, we're always harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else. And, you know, we would never say, you know, we would never, uh, you know, talk to a stranger the way that we will go right to a mirror and speak to ourselves. And so partnering with Katie on Acknowledge and Heal has really helped me to to see more of the why behind that what. Because, I mean, keep in mind, I, 
I'm a trauma therapist, but you know, I, I really focus and specialize in combat-related trauma uh, and military trauma. And this really opened up my aperture of compassion, empathy, and it gave me tools to give to clients. I, I give this book to my clients and uh, and they read it and they come back and and we discuss it and and they find that you know they're they're able to open up they feel seen they feel heard and so i yeah partnering up with katie has really opened up the way i i look at kind of trauma writ large but also it's given me a tool to help clients see themselves I think that is so fascinating. Well, unfortunately, we're we're coming up to the uh, to the top of the hour, so we're going to have to cut this conversation short, which is a pity because I'm really, really enjoying it. I think you're both so fascinating, Craig. Do you have any more thoughts before we we start reaching the end here? I, I you know, I really like that sort of way of looking at the the why behind the what. I mean, that really makes sense to me because it's not just um, I can see where it makes a lot of sense when you're trying to understand your own self and why you do the things you do especially when you're in therapy but as a as a writer that's almost uh when you're trying to write good characters you want your your readers to understand the why behind the what right so that that maybe should be the title of this episode but uh, but other than that no it's uh, i mean i think that's a really really powerful point and um you know thanks both of you for uh, for bringing these perspectives to us because it really really helps and characterization is the key to any fiction uh novel really and so you know being able to have this kind of perspective in your on your characters will just bring them to like it's a richer richer character and then that allows you know your 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 audience to connect to those characters more and want to read your books more so i mean this is uh very important stuff so speaking of books um where can people find your book there we go. That was a nice segue, wasn't it? <laughs> well, you go to soldiersblog.com. That is where, that, that's Virginia's home on the web. And you will be able to find the soldier's guide. You'll be able to find um, Acknowledge and Heal, as well as workbooks and journals will be out soon. So there's a, a lot to work with. We also have a free quick start guide there. Um, so you can download that for free and start, you know, the process. See what, you know, what the books are about ask yourself some questions and see if maybe these would actually help you. And then of course you can join her newsletter where she, I mean, every week she's got a a new blog, a new topic that she talks about that is very informative and very straightforward, but helpful. Well, that's great. And Katie, where can people go and read your books? Not just, not just this particular one, but also your fiction series. Yeah, um, I'm easy to find. So katiesolitis.com, that is my home on the web and it is my portal to Everything that I do, uh, Rising Sign Books, where I do a la carte author services, Spilling Ink, which is my podcast that we run twice a month, um, and all of my social media, as well as links to all of the different books that I write. That is wonderful. Well, we will, of course, drop links down below in the description here. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really, really fascinating conversation. And I know that a lot of uh, a lot of people listening to this, they would get a lot of value out of uh, visiting websites, checking out these books and things, because it seems like you've got uh, a lot of really important information that could be hugely powerful when trying to create characters and, and create characterization. So thank you so much for joining us. And if you are listening to this or watching it on YouTube and you appreciated what Katie and Virginia 
had to say. Please don't be shy about leaving a comment down below. And if you haven't already, make sure you click that subscribe button. We are delighted to have you both here. Thank you so much for spending the time. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked. So until then, stay tuned.